following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Genesis role-playing system created by Fantasy Flight Games and produced by Edge Studios. A show in which we, your hosts, discuss all things Genesis from both the players and a GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning, and with me as always are my good friends and co-hosts, Chris Holmes, Stefan Dragonspawn. Homie, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Still a little rundown still from the um, COVID shot booster dose one. From the other just day, sleepy. was that just sleepy? Ben and and I've watched and I was you know relaxing watching Black Sails, seasons one, two, three, and four. Um, <laughs> favorite pirate, favorite pirate out of there. Oh man, you know I love the story of of John John Silver. Eh, Jack Rackham. Jack. <laughs> I love his I love his comment when he mocks um Max when they're in um Philadelphia towards the end of the show. He just starts mocking her, talking French. He's like, Yeah, I don't want you to come in and go, we be how much will it cost to turn on Jack Radical? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Anyways. Um speaking of French. Stefan, how you doing? <laughs> Oui, oui, je suis très bien, maman. <laughs> See, it would sound like that, not like the Americanized, yeah. bastardized version I just no. gave you guys. <laughs> oh, I'm doing, I'm doing well, doing well. It was a nice day today here, uh, up in Canada land, uh, in our little bit, bit of the world. So we were able to do some, uh, some spring prepare, preparing stuff in our garden and around the land. And right now, uh, since I've got some freshly pop popcorn. With lots of hot butter. I also have company. My dog Dresden is uh, hovering around nearby, hoping that mm-hmm. stuff will fall on the floor. <laughs> Which sometimes I accidentally, on purpose, make uh, make them fall. <laughs> awesome. So other than that, I'm okay. How about you, Tony? Ah, uh, great. I had a day off. Got to just kind of chill and hang out with the misses all day was nice so sweet sweet and, uh, yeah just sitting around the house enjoying our company of our pets uh it's gonna buy a little harness for my kitten so i can take her walking on walks mm. outside um not a mimic not a mimic harness oh my god watch, watch out for those <laughs> don't want it to be a mimic and accident <laughs> uh, that'd be great <laughs> now uh, I'm looking forward to our show though, because I was uh, oh, was yeah. reading it again today. I uh, read it earlier in the week when I wrote the show notes, but I was reading it again today. And interesting. Um, we are going to be doing our so far our final, unless they come out with more, uh, setting spotlight on Monster World. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Yes. Looking forward to that. Yep, that'll be cool. All right. Well then, I guess let's uh, get into, uh, let's have uh, Stefan boost the signal then, huh? Let's do.
this is where Stefan shares all the hot and stinky Genesis news <laughs> off the fresh, that's fresh off the wire. Uh, reviews some projects from the um, Edge Studio section of the um, Drive Through RPG. Uh, and uh, what you got for us here, Stefan, today? Right, well, well, it's not too stinky, luckily. It's uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good stuff. Uh, kind of related to our topic uh, of, uh, of mm-hmm. uh, the monstrous settings. I'm reviewing two little products. Uh, one of them has been out for a little while. Scott Zumwalt uh, came up with something strange uh, a while back, and now it's reached a gold bestseller. So he decided to uh, revamp the cover a bit and a few little details uh, on the inside as well, and uh, you know a, a new version. So if you guys got the old version, you can always go back on Drive Through RPG and get the new one. Cool. And Congrats. Congrats uh, on yeah, that. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And of course, this is a setting you know based, based off of based off inspired by uh, maybe movies and TV shows like Supernatural and Stranger Things, just like the title sort of uh, hints at. Uh, which is a kind of monster world tone, but set more in more contemporary times like our own. And uh, the archetypes, some of them are monster hunter types, uh, and some are not. So you, so you can play someone who's a regular person who gets thrown in to the supernatural uh, world. So uh, still offers it at $9.99, uh, 49 pages. And so the link is in the uh, in the show notes. And then there's another one that came out uh, a bit more recently, uh, a new offering called The Unseen World, which has some similarities with uh, the previous product uh, I just mentioned, but with a few key differences as well, uh, such as there's a introduce a unique agency uh, mechanic to give their, your characters, you know, they're struggling to maintain their humanity, if, uh, especially if... Uh, Maybe they're cursed with uh, with lycanthropy or something like uh, like that. Uh, introduce also an original wealth management system, uh, some rules like some easy uh, instead of counting the actual credits or dollars or uh, or coins, then you have a wealth kind of rating. And it introduces also ritual magic uh, along with standard magic uh, in the rules. And uh, something they, they call also a plot device level adversaries. I, am, I just started reading it, but I don't have all the details yet uh, on it. So I'm not going to go into too much details, so not mislead anyone. And um, they also include a fully fleshed out example city of Las Vegas, if you want to set it uh, in that uh, city of sin. Uh, but they also include some rules for building your own city and campaigns in that city. If you're more familiar with uh, your local local town or uh, city, then you can use that. And uh, but this setting, I find with a quick read, it's, it's a bit more akin to uh, the X Files or maybe even uh, like uh, the, the PPRD from Hellboy. Uh, and uh, reading a bit through it, I also noticed in the uh, NPC section that they in their Vegas setting they have a club owner slash villain named Stefan, who also also happens to be a vampire who owns the club. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> that's pretty good. So that's, uh, I thought it was kind of cool. Like, and so, the, of course, they introduced new archetypes and careers, uh, lots of new talents, uh, gear, and uh, enemies to conf confront. And for 10 bucks, you get all of that uh, and 87 pages of good goodness. That's a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. No, a, lot of, a, uh, a lot of meat and stuff in there. Cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the, the people behind this uh, setting, one guy in particular, uh, Johnson Creer, who put together the book, he's part of an actual play podcast that is set in that unseen world in Sin, Sin City, uh, along with five other players. And uh, their podcast is called The Genesis Archives. Cool. I've, right. I've listened to a few of their episodes, and uh, yeah, uh, they sound really cool. Like I said, the first few episodes is all about set up the situations and introduce the characters and so forth. So uh, I've, I'll include a, a link to the Unsealed, Unseen World PDF and uh, the podcast in the, show, in the show notes, if yeah. you guys want to check it out. Sounds good. Awesome. And that is, for now, all the hot Boosting the Signals news. And it's stanky. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe because of all the corpses. <laughs> True. Alrighty, everybody. Okay, so now we are into the meat of the show. This is the books of Genesis now. Uh, 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 uh. Hey, it's the first time we actually did it together there, Stefan. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so this is where we break down a section of one of the books in Genesis bit by bit. And like we said before, we're talking about the Monster World setting that is in the Expanded Player's Guide, starting on page 17. Um, 18, if you have the PDF open like myself. Um, and um, paper books are none. Paper books are none. That's true. <laughs> I have hearing voices in my head. <laughs> Where's that voice? It sounded a lot like Tony. <laughs> and yeah, so um, yeah, Monster World. Um, talking horror, monsters. You know, I just watched American Werewolf in London the other day because I knew we were going to be watching this. And that was, I don't think I ever watched the entire movie end to end before. I think I've oh. seen bits and pieces. Oh, that's a classic. I know, it's awesome. It's the very first scary movie my parents let me watch. Uh, and we we saw it at a drive-in theater. <gasps> you too? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Saw it with okay. Star Trek Wrath of Khan, I think. I can't remember which, or maybe Star Trek The Motion Picture. It was way back. They were on there mm -hmm. together. Um, we went to see the one, but we got to see the other. And I know. We did that, too. <laughs> I think I did. I didn't think we did E.T. We started watching it. Probably when the dude turned. And I think, I don't remember anything like before that. I just remember seeing him change. Right? <laughs> so we probably, like drove over to another one and saw him change. I'm like, holy fuck, this is horrible. That's still one of the most iconic and scary werewolf transformations. In yeah. So. Yeah, because he's freaking out. and Yeah, so that's yeah, what that, we're going to be talking about. Yeah, that's that's when you, you, you realize that being a lycanthrope is a curse. It's it's not yeah. cool like, uh, like in Werewolf the Apocalypse. 
Well, yeah, that's true. So today we pretty much, I mean, it says here, you know, today we pretty much know this as the genre that involves around basically three basic monster types, really. Uh, it was all built around stories that were told around the same time. The werewolf stories, and Dracula stories, and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, so it very much started with those, and it can incorporate a lot of different things. Um, what I th- one thing I found that I think this setting, out of all the settings that they've provided sample settings for, has the most tropes. They do, don't uh, they? That they, I mean, there's a long list of tropes, mm-hmm. uh, and I think uh, we should we should delve into each one. Yes, absolutely. So, who wants to kick it off? Well, I do want to say this: that their default setting is set uh, in the 1800s, because I think that, and I think the reason for that is that the story, uh, the way these stories were built, they were built around a time when technology was just booming, when mm-hmm. we could we couldn't you you couldn't keep up with the scientific advances that were going on yeah. in the world around all, yeah it was all new and all full of possibilities yeah science and magic is all mysterious and just mm-hmm. very um what's the word i'm looking for um imagination just going wild and very well, evocative like, yeah. the yeah, world wasn't fully completely explored but there was explorers expanding out into all the dark regions of the world the industrial revolution was in full force uh and that brought together a time of uh weird kind of scientific horror stories and horror stories of the supernatural together in one genre yep and science was dangerous and not everybody yeah. understood it, and you know, so it was kind of yeah. scary. So it brings in, of course, horror was one of those. But we're going to get into those different tropes and whatnot. But but the I other mean, side of that, it, like I said, it said in the 1800s is the default setting. But it can be set in other eras. The, yeah. But the key thing to focus on here is that you don't focus, and it goes into the first trope, you focus on its peoples and the monsters not on the technology of that setting. So you, if you said it in modern times, it's a more modern story. Think, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, good example. It's set yeah. in modern times, but they aren't using a lot of modern uh, right. gear. It's all about the, the, the drama of high school and killing monsters. And, yeah, and, and the whole thing about the whole monsters thing is that people who have become monsters is really one of the key things is one of the things that it's really about as well you know <clears throat> which brings in its own level of horror and you know freaking you out like we were talking about in american werewolf in london seeing himself just transition go what the hell you know being so painful yet still seeing himself transition that's like could be freaky so yeah. <clears throat> that pretty much covers the first trope the monsters um because yeah. it's very short when they talk about it. the monsters take focus as well as the people who create them or became them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are the focus of the setting. What's next? Yeah, well, I mean, really, I mean, yeah, I mean, the monsters are, but they do have, but they've divided them into the three types there, Tony, like you had mentioned. Um, which is the, it's alive, it's alive, which is your science experiment, you know, I'm going to put all these body parts together and 
this guy named Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein, said, I'm going to put these body parts together, going to go dig shit up and zap it with some lightning and see if we can bring it back to back to, back to life. And it's, it's one of those things where you just, you really don't need to have the details of how it happened. And that's what this, there's a sidebar here on page 17, um, where it basically, you know, don't sweat the impossible details of how a lightning bolt shooting through into and hitting this corpse brought it to life. Just go run with it, you know, just, you know, doubles in the details. Who cares? So, it's like it's like a weird weird super science. They don't explain, you know, the you know, yeah. ether uh, <laughs> or <laughs> yeah, exactly or whatever. Yeah. That's right. But this mm-hmm. isn't just uh, this just isn't. Uh, Frankenstein is your only inspiration for this. You've got others, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Other experiments. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Changing of the, what is it? The, um, well, Dr. Moreau, maybe. Dr. Moreau, right? Dr. Moreau, yes. That was another great inspiration. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just your experiments, experimenting on humanity, you know, your, you know, mutations and, those kinds of things where your evil mad scientists just kind of <laughs> try and or even know. a well-meaning scientist but who is driven to the point of uh, doing something that he was unprepared for the consequences right yeah even a even a robot could be part of a horror you know an uncontrollable robot that uh, he, he animated he thought it would be a great service to mankind but no it was turning upon us <laughs> Exactly. Indeed. Exactly. Stefan, want to get into the next one, buddy? Sure. Uh, Just like my sister, she's a creature of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It's a good thing she's not here. Um, (laughs) Those will include, of course, your your typical uh, immortal vampires. Of the bloodsuckers of the night, uh, those who are cursed uh, to become animals uh, when there's a full moon. Uh, others, you could say, uh, creatures of the night. You know, there's a the creature of the black lagoon, or uh, or th- something that's been entombed for thousands of years, like the mummy has it's been released because you know the, the archaeologists didn't read properly the the warnings and now they're all cursed cursed I say. <laughs> that's right <laughs> treasure hunters and unla- you know unleash yeah. the you know the mummy or whatever yeah yep. exactly uh so yeah this of course means that most of these monsters have some kind of common thread which is usually magic or the supernatural uh yeah. powers mm-hmm. powers them or you know uh, is behind the reason they exist uh you know, so like I said, a, a curse of uh, immortality of vampirism or uh, the transformation into a beast. Yeah. Yeah, some scientists, there might be some scientific attempts to explain it, but you know, usually it's supernatural uh, explanation that, you know, that takes precedence. Gotcha. Yep. And, yep. And sometimes you might have to try to, to find a way to defeat it, but there's no actual way to kill it, but you have to be able to entomb it again, or there may be a specific weakness that you have to find out. That's right. Stake through the heart. Silver yep. bullets. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now, the next trope that it covers is kind of that um, that exploring the unknown from uncharted realms, and that is um, these expeditions into various different 
uh, lost regions of the planet. Um, it's uh, places that would have throwback humanoids that have been genetically um, isolated for mm -hmm. thousands of years or genet or, or even, you know, even dinosaur type creatures um, or a rare, a rare monster type. A good uh, good example would be um, one that I enjoyed. A, a, not a very great movie, but a movie from the late '90s called *The Relic*. Um, oh, I think I saw that a long time ago. Example eh? of that. That's when one of these throwback type creatures. Um, they try to explain it with science, but there's some supernatural elements to it. Nice. Um, yeah. Nice. And it, it ends up in the United States and terrorizing and oh. eating people in a museum. Um, cool. And that that could easily be. Um, an inspiration for this type of mm -hmm. trope. King Kong. King yeah. Kong is another one. Yeah. yeah. King Kong, uh, you're looking at um, parts of the natural world that science has tried to explain but really can't yet. Yeah. Uh, and we even could throw, if you're really, you know, really feeling it, you could throw in legends from other cultures in this, um, like uh, the Chupacabra or... Oh, there you go. Maybe yeah. maybe yeah. some dragons yeah. from from China, yeah. the Mothman or uh, oh. cool. All right, yeah, that'd be awesome. Cool. All right. Well then, well our next What's major next? our next major trope. So now we've talked about the monsters, which you know it's in the name, right? Monster world. Well, really, the next thing, their biggest trope here would be the what we call gothic horror. You know, um, it's not like your it's not like your slasher horror or anything like that. It's more darker themes and your suspenseful horror and, you know, um, you know, emotions that are that are just dialed up to 11 here. Um, a bit of terror going on um you know cthulhu-esque feels you know i could would consider that more gothic horror as well um where you know a lot of dark you know the setting is dark um, but a lot of things may happen at night happen at night too um it doesn't necessarily you know not everybody's like wearing black and you know black you know like nail polish or anything like that. It's not that kind. But oh, it's, I thought it's, that's what you. It's my God. It's, it's not, not, not that's not quite what I meant. But it's no, more no. of the more of like the strong emotional, you know, t you know, pulling you back and forth into this setting. Um, well, in some ways, that kind of reminds me of some of the, some films. Like there was one fairly recent one with Daniel Radcliffe, uh, The Woman in Black, where he plays a a man, of course, you know, uh, in the sort of Victorian times. Oh, I remember that he did yeah. really well in that, yeah. that movie. Yeah, he that goes to a house to settle the books and all kinds of little motion things, you know, that, that create suspense. Sometimes it's just a silhouette passing in front of a window or doorway, and then when the character co turns around, you know, it's not there. So like, what, what's going on? Yeah. You know, a bit of. Uh, yeah. So that's where you know it is somewhat gothic, old houses, dark corridors, and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. In this case, a ghost story of who's who exactly is the cursed person, uh, with twists and turns in it. Uh, it, was, it was a good story, actually. I, I liked it. Yeah. Oh, this is this is a good sentence. Gothic fiction 
is more about emotional intensity than just moodiness. You know, so when you think of goths, oh, they're just moody. No, no, no. It's not. It is a mood, right? But it is more of that intensity. You want to capture that intensity and that that suspense. So that's kind of that. That's that is the theme. That's one of the and main it's, things. It's humans and monsters alike. That's another thing you want to mention. In, in, Both sides. As, as a GM, you infuse your monster in this type of setting with a sense of feeling. Sometimes you can express that by in character as the monster while having a, a social interaction with the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely needs to portray that, I think, as a GM. You need to portray that in this setting to, to draw that emotion out in players too. Yeah. And that's, and that'll get, that, that'll get, that's very challenging when you have murder hobo players when, <laughs> Oh, we see a monster and you just start, you know, guns a blazing. Right. So you'll want to try and set up those situations. So you do have that moment where they can actually sense that the emotion for that monster, even when they start firing, at the monster maybe it's scared and it runs you know those are those subtle little things you could throw in there to see how they react and if they don't well uh, whatever <laughs> right but uh, you know you kind of got to have some buy-in by the players too so um well that kind of ties in with the uh, sidebar above in all seriousness i guess yep um, oh yeah yeah did you want to go would, into that Stefan? if you want yeah yeah, yeah i ahead. was reading up on it earlier it's like so they talk about one of the most difficult parts of running, of course, a horror-themed games is maintaining the tension, which, you know, it's easy for players to break characters. You make jokes, even even more so, let's say, when you're facing uh, fearsome creatures, uh, many of which have been made, of course, like they say, in the, into children's cartoons, uh, comedy songs, and even breakfast cereal. <laughs> hey, Blueberries awesome. and Count Dracula, and yeah. <laughs> I always like the Frankenberry. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it can be tough uh, trying to keep serious. So they say you know, to set the right tone, everyone involved should at least limit uh, any joking around, uh, unless their characters are actually doing the joke. So in to try to be in character as much uh, as possible. Uh, it might be like they say uh, gallows humor, making dark jokes, uh, but that can help maintain the tone anyway. Uh, Good. So, because that you know, Monster World thrives best in a, a charged atmosphere of gothic drama, as it's written here. So, yeah, to discuss with your players to make sure they're on board, everyone's on the same page. Uh, they say, uh, however, one of the traditional rhythms of horror movies is a steady rise of tension, keying up participants in a scene, and then the tension is broken with an un- unexpected humor. Sometimes we've all seen slasher films. Even sometimes you know you're scared, scared, scared. You're you're wondering, and then suddenly one character makes a joke. <laughs> Everyone releases tension, and suddenly ah, that guy gets banged. You know, heads chopped off. <laughs> okay, now we're back in the horror again. <laughs> There's that exactly, and it's it's incumbent upon the GM to kind of really drive that. And I think yeah. Chris, you brought a point uh, a couple episodes back in our show about uh, when you gave fifty pieces awesome to the. 50 pieces of awesome to the GMs out there that go that extra mile. And this is an opportunity when you're running this type of setting to go that extra mile, you know, bring horror themed music, have horror themed lighting. If you have a relic um, that your characters are going to be investigating, find some cheap 
you know, dime store knockoff thing <laughs> that you can doctor up to look or craft something. Um, yep. When you do that, you will be able to maintain that tension and suspense a little easier. Yep. Um, Dare I say how, immersion? When characters <laughs> see how much immersed you are in creating a story, when players do, they tend to keep their characters in that story. Um, as my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'll tell you, it is a, there, there, there is a balance there that definitely needs to be found because a setting like this, if you're always in character, always, that will be drain. You can, Mm -hmm. you can really get draining though. It's very rewarding. Very odd. There are some awesome moments and I've played in some of these and even in our, we've even had our moments, our Thursday night, we've been playing the Call of Cthulhu the last couple sessions, right? There's some freaking awesome moments in there, but you do have to throw in the humor to just break that tension sometimes just to, okay, everybody yeah. can take a breath now. Okay. Now we could just, yeah. all right, now, all yeah. right, now let's start cranking it back up to 11 if you want, you know? Yeah. So like a couple of sessions ago, we just threw in, like, you know, we're facing a severe storm. Things are weird and happening. Oh, and yeah. I, I threw in the little joke about, you know, apparently the storm doesn't like uh, bagpipe music, <laughs> which is exactly. what, my, what my character was playing before the whole storm started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're yeah. playing a part, so that helps. That yeah. character can be the uh, the 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 comic relief very easily. Comic, yeah, exactly. And that takes that takes us into the next trope, which is those heroes. Who is going to be the hero in this type of setting? And that is your fearless monster hunter. And that is, you know, you can't have Dracula without Van Helsing. You can't no. have, uh, you know, the the Wolf Man without the 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 I can't remember the name of the damn sheriff or the can't remember cop from London that was trying to come after him. Mm-hmm. But you've got the the opposite for each one of these monsters. They have their hunter and yep. they're um, you know, they're they're the embodiment of the brave individuals and they you know, they don't always come from adventuring backgrounds. The key here is that they can come from any walk of life, but they've been touched by these monsters in some way. And in their backstory, um, you know, whether their sister was hacked to death by some strange um, creature yeah. at night or their um, their village was burned down because someone was trying to kill a monstrosity there. Yeah. Uh, or sometimes, does, sometimes, inno- sometimes innocuous. They were the cheerleader at their high school, but because they're from a bloodline of vampire hunters, they have to to be, take up that mantle again. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, that's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that is um, your your stories involve characters. Uh, the players are the characters that are the the heroes, but they're also heavily. to the story. Yep. That goes into our next trope. Yes. That's where we start to uh, talk about uh, personal horror. So uh, usually a monster world is quite personal. Uh, there are usually no giant monsters destroying cities. It's not hordes and hordes of, uh, of zombies uh, that uh, overthrew the, uh, the world kind of thing or blank fleeced 
blank face slashers, you know, with masks or, uh, <laughs> that pop up anywhere. This is much more about the individual monster uh, and or their creator uh, that require hunting, some research, uh, and and the guts to uh, to confront them. So yeah, these are what like you mentioned earlier, Tony. Uh, yeah, you can have social encounters. You know, uh, maybe uh, you know, the Dracula does spend a few moments like drinking tea with uh, <laughs> with Van Helsing as they're they're talking about eventually facing off uh, once and for all. Yep. Indeed. Yep. It- this is interesting. This is an interesting line too. That these the monsters pose a threat not just to the hunters, but to those near and dear to them. Well, that's, well, that's a that's a bummer, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, they want to protect their family, or maybe a family member has been disappeared or was killed by one, and that brings them into the fray, or yeah, or they and such, yeah. or they or they might become a, a monster. And what, what do they do? do? They just kill it? Uh, you know, it was my fiance. No, no, she's she's a blood sucking uh, succubus now. What do you do? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right on. So, and then, so then our our last major trope, and it kind of breaks down into like kind of a sub trope here. Mm-hmm. Um, are is it's a it's a desperate conflict they call it, meaning it's these you know Van Helsing is a is a man right dracula is a supernatural uber being super strength super intelligence can suck his blood turn into a bat maybe yeah control control you know who knows creatures of the night can control creatures of the night all of these things right like where you're like they're impossible to kill and you're just a man with a gun or maybe silver bullets and going against this big wolf man dude or with your faith this, as well. With um, your faith. Um, maybe you're going against a mummy with a freaking torch and fire, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's all you need is fire. Who knows? But it's that it's that overwhelming odds. It's a desperate odds um, that really should drive it as well. And that's one of those tropes that you want to pull on as well, right? Yeah, um, I think a great example of that is the mummy. You know, here is this inexorable force. This yeah. uh, this creature from ancient times, and once it was released, there's no way to stop it. And it took research, and an adventure, and uh, fighting. Meanwhile, fighting this thing the whole time, uh, and it's picking people off left and right. <laughs> yeah. And 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 uh, it is this impossible, inexorable monster that can't be reasoned with, but is also very intelligent, very cunning, and and over like is gruesomely um, goes after the people who are trying to hunt it. It goes after them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And because the, it doesn't and want to be defeated, so and they're trying to find the the only way to defeat it. Uh, right. And and these and these last two sentences are really kind of capture a lot of that like tony said you know hunters must rely on research and bravery but these are not often enough not everyone survives and this should be a major part of the campaigns holy shit not everybody survives oh exactly it's not a hollywood 
it's not a Hollywood right. ending. It's exactly. It's you not. might have to sacrifice someone. Like, so oh. again, go into that, get some play, get some player buy-in, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But when you go in, like, hey, these are the tropes. That's a that could be a, and and that could be a good point to make to them. And if they get the buy-in, oh, it could be so much fun. Totally, yep. could yep. be a lot of fun. <clears throat> and so. The, Last thing, the little sub-trope here under that is also that um, in all of this desperate conflict, one of the ways to express that is that you have what they call creepy locations in nighttime action. And it's a great way, the nighttime action part of it is a great way to set the pace for a campaign or an adventure for this. Um, but creepy locations, you that's why when Chris said the gothic horror, a lot of this gothic style horror, gothic is the emotional part of it, but it also had the gothic period as a backdrop um, because there were creepy, just these cyclopean locations mm-hmm. um, that... Not a whole lot of street, you don't have street lights everywhere. There were like oh, lamps, no. gas oh. lamps, right? So you don't exactly. have a lot of light, only no yeah. light most places, right? Like it says, Unlike ancient, modern cities, yeah. Ancient right, ancestral castles, isolated mountaintop laboratories, <laughs> remote villages, um, forests, those okay. kinds of things. Uh, and then also, it says here, you know, like I said, the the pacing of your campaign, the nighttime action. If most of the monsters are active at night, what are the players doing during the player characters doing during the day to prepare for the nighttime when the horror begins mm-hmm. um, are they resting are they going without rest to study or to yeah. armor up or to you know craft something made of a special material that can only be the thing that kills the the beast crafting um, montage that's right that's right <laughs> and it's a great way to to notch up the tension if your player characters are spending the daytime uh, doing all these other activities to prepare, and then the nighttime comes, and that's when they're naturally, you know, they're they're what is it? The circadian rhythm says that's when you're supposed to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, then they're tired when the creature hunts yeah. them out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, that, well that's it. Because yep. when you think about it, when you're when you're telling scary stories sometimes you're know, around the campfire you're not doing it in broad daylight it's you okay. wait till the sun is set and mm-hmm. everyone's you know huddled up and then someone you know has a flashlight bear up in their sure. face and they start telling the story right. you know, even even way back when you know nighttime has always been the time where <laughs> you don't know what's going on uh what's you know what what's that sound what may sound really innocent during the daytime oh, is it a predator just snapping a branch is it coming is it going to leap at me uh no right. it's just some squirrel just you know and that brings up a good point yeah. dialing up the tension that says in here like throw in those environmental factors like you know yeah. maybe it's raining at night you yeah know, you got fog. a blanket you got some bl- a blanket of fog in there there's a mm-hmm. adventure that i'm running for my for my group and they're going into the um this this castle and there's like this blanket of like fog um just kind of covering like a for, like a foot or two in there yep. like where the fuck is this coming from right yep. and you know you just kind of dial that up just a little bit you know and the lightning flashes of lightning where you know you know make a perception check and 
you know, you see, you know, as this, you know, you see like this, this, this lightning flash and, you know, there's a, um, there's a silhouette in the, in yeah. further in the woods that you see. Yeah. Or, or sometimes, you know, the players investigate something next to the window and suddenly a raven just flies out of the bush. You know, that could be it, yeah. innocent, but whoops, something mm-hmm. that, may, that makes them jump. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I wanted to add one last thing myself personally about the tones um, we've already covered the sidebars that they put in there about tone, but I also wanted you could use Monster World's tropes in another setting, and I use a prime example of this as D, you know as D Shift Seven D has done with um, the Barovia and Ravenloft, and um, they have that monster world inside a fantasy genre, yep. but it is it has a different tone and trope from your average high fantasy. Um, ad- adventure, but you could very easily use monster world tones and tropes in, say, Terranoth to create a very Ravenloft-like feel, as I did during our advantageous threat where we had um, Darren West on, and I ran that little pre-amble yeah. to hate Shard for oh, you yeah, guys. Right. I yeah. dialed yeah. up horror a little extra for it, um, oh, yeah. as opposed to the high fantasy. You could totally set an entire campaign in a monster world type setting in a more settled part of a fantasy world. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. The, well, the Mistlands, you know, crank up the horror in the Mistlands, oh, which would be to- totally different than than the Rue Steps, which is mostly demons. You know. Uh, oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, and even mixing genres, you know, you just think of the movie Alien. It's it's horror in space. <laughs> it's true. It's true. True. The first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first one. The, sec- the second one is definitely more Bug Hunter. <laughs> Still great, right, so but it's... Game over, man. Game over. Well, like we do when they give us one of these awesome settings, and we've covered pretty much all the tropes, um, they give us also some cool character options. Uh, so uh, we start with the yeah. archetypes or races or species or whatever. Stefan, you want to kick us off with the first one? Yes, the first one is the Cursed Shifter. So whether it's from a family legacy or the bite of, uh, of a monster, the result is pretty much the same. You get an individual who transforms into a wild beast when the moon is full. Oh, God, he's LARPing now. (laughs) Some, some of course, may search for a cure. Others embrace their nature. Uh, A a few seek to use their terrible curse to battle others uh, like themselves uh, in the hopes, you know, of pushing back the darkness, kind of like Blade. Yes, I'm half vampire, but I'm going to fight other vampires. Right. But this was particular to an actual transformation. So uh, this particular archetype, uh, uh, all attributes start at two all across the board. Um, Wounds are uh, 10 plus brawn. Uh, Strain threshold is 10 plus willpower and starting XP at 105. Then they've got their uh, special abilities. So they start with uh, a free rank in perception. And as usual, no more than two ranks at character creation. And then they've got the the curse of the beast. 
So while cursed uh, shifters, uh, well, cursed shifters normally are human. When the moon rises, when that, that's when they transform into some kind of wild animal. More, more often than not, a wolf, but could be a great cat or any other kind of animal uh, deemed fit. Uh, and then uh, they can change form as an out-of-turn incidental, and that lasts until the dawn, the following dawn, or until uh, that shifter is incapacitated due to exceeding their wound threshold. Uh, then they have the ability of beast form, kind of tied in. So when the uh, curse shifter transforms, they heal all strain, they, they're currently surf- suffering, and then they get a bonus uh, of plus one to their brawn and agility, maximum of five. Of course, they, resi- they re- reduce their intelligence and willpower by one to a minimum of one. Their unarmed attacks, being claws usually, uh, deal more damage at plus three damage and a crit of two. So they can be pretty nasty. And uh, all opponents must half the damage that they deal to the curse shifter while in beast form before applying soak. Unless the weapon is made out of, uh, of silver or uses silver ammunition, which is usually the weaknesses. And finally, the curse shifter has to make a uh, hard discipline check uh, when they when they transform. So if they succeed, they may act normally, and if they fail, though, they can they have to give in to their uh, animal instinct and attack anyone around them. So, oh, yeah, that's a bummer. Anim- <laughs> yeah, their animal instincts take over. The beast. Mm-hmm. Oh, so okay, to discuss that with your GM. And then the bite of the wolf, uh, the final little thing. When the, the curse shifter uh, in beast form uh, makes an unarmed attack and inflicts a critical injury of 51 or higher on a human PC or a nemesis uh, NPC. Uh, the human gains, that particular human gains the bite of the wolf, curse of the beast, and beast form abilities. Because they're, they're now have that curse too. And they say, you may spend a story point after your curse shifter uh, character inflicts a critical injury to prevent this from happening. So there's there's a possibility to not infect someone. It's an interesting mechanic. I actually like that. Yeah, it's kind of cool. And therefore, also, just to note, since it is separate from the role, it's not part Mm -hmm. of the role, um, you can spend your story point during your role and then as a curse shifter, if you happen to crit, then you may spend after the critical um, another story point to uh, inflict the critical normally without giving them a curse. Yeah, that's yep. cool. Right on. So the next one is the Dampir, or Dampir, as we have heard it also. Uh, this is the half-vampire. Can either be a child of a union between a vampire and a living person, or a human that was not yet fully succumbed to the thirst for blood. Blade, uh, de- depending Blade on the story. He would be right, probably. Blade was a baby when his mother was turned. That's a, his story, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Damphirs yeah, inherit some of the strengths and weaknesses of their vampire progenitor. So. Nice. Um, they get their physical stats cranked up a little bit with their brawn and agility at three, but because they are trying to resist the blood curse, uh, that willpower is down to one. Everything else is a two. Um, 
which uh, they will also have a little bit higher uh, statistics here with the wounds and the strain threshold at 11 plus brawn and 11 plus willpower, respectively. And the starting XP of 85 to kind of reflect some of these um, extraordinary abilities here. Um, they will have a starting skill of vigilance to kind of give that feeling of that preternatural um, quick reflexes, so to speak. Yeah, awareness. Uh, that uh, extra sensory awareness. Uh, they obtain this rank before spending experience points and can't increase it beyond two as normal uh, beyond and during character creation. Um, next ability, Blood Call. Dampir has fangs and can use them as a weapon with the following profile. They are a brawl weapon that does damage plus zero. Uh, critical of two, range of engaged, and snare one, pierce two, vicious two. When a Dampir inflicts wounds with their fangs, or narratively drinks blood, whichever, you may spend a story point to have them heal four strain and four wounds. However, if a Dampir kills a person with their fangs, the Dampir becomes a vampire, maintaining their profile, but becoming an evil spawn of darkness. What this means for your character is up to your GM, but if I was your GM... You're making a new character. That's right. Give me your goddamn character sheet. Yeah. <laughs> You're making a new character. And That's that right. one is not mine to play with. <laughs> That's right. Uh, sunlight sensitivity. Next ability here. While the Dampier character is exposed to direct sunlight, they reduce their wound and strength thresholds by four. Okay, Ugh. so this isn't Blade. <laughs> For sure. And then the vulnerable heart. When a Dampir suffers a critical injury from a weapon made of wood, such as a stake or a crossbow bolt, add plus 40 to the critical injury. What? That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. So while playing someone who has these highly overbalanced beginning stats would Mm -hmm. be cool. You got some serious downfalls there in the the ability. Yeah, you do. All right. Oh, all right. Well, so I've got a couple. I've got two more archetypes here that I'm going to go over. Bring it down to your alley just a little bit from these two chuckleheads that just told you what you, <laughs> what you could play. So we have our fearless slayer. These would be your typical monster hunters here. They are. Uh, these are the guys that stalked them under the monsters of the night. And these guys could be a terrifying individuals themselves. They say. Um, more than likely consumed with vengeance and attack with all the fury of the creatures they hunt. And one day they will also fall, but not before they end the existence of as many of their hated foes as possible. <laughs> and probably be handing their character sheet over to your GM at the end of when they do make that fall. Maybe. Um, maybe. Um, so the Fearless Slayer, uh, they're a little brawnier. They probably work out pretty sure um the bronze starts off at a three agility intellect cunning and willpower are two um their presence is one because maybe they're pretty crabby or don't have the yeah. countenance as your other they're not <laughs> people persons. they're pretty focused no <laughs> exactly much presence. That's um, it. You, have to, you have to focus on your strength when you're facing against damp and uh exactly. <laughs> exactly. um 
their wound thresholds are, you know, it's a 10 um, plus brawn. The strain threshold is 9 plus your willpower. Uh, starting experience points is 90 XP. The um, starting skills, though, this is interesting. They start with um, two ranks in discipline and one rank in a combat skill of your choice, which I didn't read that part because I might have somebody that I need to add as combat skill to a rank in <laughs> before we go into our next section of the show. Um, and the, of course you do this without uh, before ex- spending your XP and cannot be increased above rank two during character creation. Um, and they do have the ability called strike true once per session, when a fearless slayer inflicts a crit, you can spend one story point to roll two separate results and choose which to apply. Very nice. If you're making that heart shot to the fear or vampire, yeah. that would be nice. Um, so that would be your fearless slayer. And those fearless slayers, you know, they're not that smart. They're okay. They have an average of intelligence they probably they spend more time working out than doing their research so they need to hire a lore master or they need to have their partner monk or their partner monk yeah that's right be their lore master there and even in modern age there's power to glean from ancient knowledge lore masters know the importance of crosses and silver and other items um often lead to Take the lead in defeating these monsters. Um, yeah, yeah. They don't work the pre- out. The brainy sidekick. The brainy sidekick. They don't work out. So they're bronze. You know, they got a one <laughs> in their brawn. But they are intelligent with the three. It starts with the three in intelligence. Agility, cunning, willpower, and presence are all twos. Um, their wound threshold is a little lower because of that. Brawn starts off at eight plus their brawn. Um, strain threshold is 11 plus their willpower. Starting experience points is 100 XP. And they do start the game with two ranks in Knowledge Supernatural or one rank in Arcana if you're using the Magic Rules, which is interesting. We'll be getting into that here in a little bit, too. Um, and, of course, you do these, you get these um, ranks before spending XP. And you can't increase them above rank 2 during character creation. And then there's a ability here called Know Its Weakness. Once per session, you can spend a story point to have your Lore Master character increase the damage dealt by all allies' combat checks by the Lore Master's ranks and knowledge until the end of the Lore Master's next turn. That's huge. Nice. Everybody (laughs) gets a bonus. You get a bonus of damage. You get a bonus. Everybody does. And this is... Yeah, and you can game the game there. Have your lore master go first in one round. Have him go next. Have him go last in the next round. So yeah. everybody gets, you know, the bonus. Yeah, go for the head. Go for the head. Yeah. No. Use your. No, that's actually a lycanthrope. Use your silver bullets. You know, or whatever. You know, use your silver. You know, those kinds of things. So. Yep. Anyways, so those are your archetypes that they presented here for uh, Monster World. Nice. So. Now we also get uh, two new setting-specific skills and a setting-specific sidebar. Um, The first skill, Knowledge Supernatural, um, because, well, I mean, yeah, usually your setting-specific skills are going to be knowledges anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but this represents knowledge of the strange, the mysterious, the arcane, and generally supernatural forces that exist in this setting. If you are using the alternate magic rules, then this skill, instead of generic knowledge skill, can be used to determine the magnitude of some spell effects, blah, blah, blah. What's also on this list, Stefan? And there's knowledge science <laughs> that you can blind people with. Uh, this represents yeah. the knowledge of, of, of course, the knowable and the understandable forces that govern our reality. It also represents science run amok, the mad scientists. Amok, amok, amok. Amok, amok. amok. <laughs> so if your character is using a career that has access to knowledge as a career skill, they may take knowledge supernatural or science as a career skill at your GM's discretion. Excellent. And homie. Yes. Let's go to, yeah, let's go to the sidebar. Yeah, the sidebar here is that magic that we're talking oh. about in Monster World here, where I'll have, um, I'll have a double of the magic. <laughs> yeah, we're going to the sidebar. So. There we go, sidebar, nice. Um, yeah, so Stefan, here's your shot of magic. Um, yeah, so like we had said, you know the, you know you're in the supernatural, like, you know, monsters like your vampires and mummies and such. There might be some magic involved with creating them and whatnot, so you might want to be including the arcana skill here. Um, but it should be less potent and effective than in, you know, less high fantasy, if you will, than like in your fantasy settings. Um, and uh, to represent this, to represent a, a low magic setting, um, when you have at least one threat generated as part of the threat, um, as... Um, when it, whenever one threat is generated as part of the check to use magic, add a threat to the results. Uh, no, add another another uh, despair. So you'd have two despairs. That's not a despair. That's a threat. That's whenever it? at least one threat is generated as part of the check uh, to use magic, oh, basically you add a threat. If yeah, you generate a threat, threat, just add another threat. For every yeah. threat so more you get, you're going to have one additional. You're going to have one additional, yeah. So if you generate three threat, you're going to have six. So. No, no, no. What? It says if at least one. <laughs> oh, that's what that meant. Okay, good. You um, just add just one just more. Okay. clarify that. Just yeah. wanted to clarify that. Increase the yeah, number so. one. You roll one, you get two. You roll two, you get three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, a little less, a little, little more potent. Um, I mean, you could even, if you wanted to, Upgrade to check all the time if you want to. Yeah, a free, yeah, free upgrade to the Automatically upgrade it, upgrade the difficulty, right? You know, yeah. always have it red, you know, always or, chance for despair. A great uh, way also. Or know, add difficulty. Yeah. yeah, one of the aspects of um, this setting is, um, this type of setting would be that there's always an implement required to cast a spell. There you um, go. Yep. So maybe yeah. it is an automatic upgrade if you don't have the book yeah, the, in front of you or true. an automatic upgrade if you don't have a pile of spell components in front mm -hmm. of you or whatever and um, maybe some maybe some of those types of magics like i don't know like the summon only can be done takes longer to do yeah like you, yeah, you have to do, do a seance kind of thing oh yeah you have to do it in right. like a seance kind of thing we're summoning the spirit of you know of a ghost well you know right. you have to go you have to have people around, uh, candles. 
Hold on, hand. Sinkumbaya, that kind of shit. Yeah. <laughs> right on. So you do a lot of different things. Yeah. Which reminds me of the little joke that, uh, you know, of today. Today, Zoom meetings are a bit like seances. It's like, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you, but you, can, you cannot hear us. Is there someone in the room? Are you in the room, uh, Chris? Can you hear us? <laughs> this is true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for people who are not used to using it, but old Skype uh, gurus like yeah. us, we've been doing this forever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you have someone so, new to it, it's like, okay, okay, press on this icon. Can you hear us now? No, no, you still can't hear us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So the last, I mean, the next thing we get into is the setting specific gear. And there's a ton of it here for some of these settings. Um, yeah. But mm -hmm. I, I figured we would just kind of pick some of our highlights of what we enjoy most in the list. Um, mm -hmm. And my personal favorite was, because I, I just love these, the Sunlight Grenade <laughs> is a ranged weapon, uh, uses the ranged light skill. Uh, so, which is an indicator that you're going to have range light and range heavy in the setting. Um, uh, it uh, it has no damage listed. It has no crit listed. Uh, it is a short range, uh, encumbrance of one. Eight hundred is the price. That's eight hundred, I assume, shillings. Credits. I don't know shillings, <laughs> wherever dollars, wherever you are in. Yeah, pieces of nine. I don't know. Um, <laughs> It's a rarity for limit ammo, uh, limited ammo of one, but it's the f the worded text that really kicks it with this item. Yep. Um, you think, oh, it's a, it's a weapon, but it does no damage and has no crit. Ugh. Oh wait, there is yeah. no need for devices to mimic the. There's there was no need for devices to mimic the effects of full daylight until the discovery that it is repugnant to those who haunt the night. Those sunlight grenades are difficult to create. These inventions have proven deadly to some things that science cannot explain. When a sunlight grenade explodes, until the end of the current round, it acts as direct sunlight to all characters within medium range. This is the deadliest grenade in the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, characters in cover who have sunlight sensitivity suffer three wounds and six strain instead of the abilities normal effects uh so yeah i wow. mean full sunlight to a vampire oh. creature is half their wounds half their strain threshold instantly very nasty damn is that what it was half yeah the half their wound threshold, half their strength. Well, by four. They reduce their wound and strength thresholds well, that's the by four. Fear. Oh, that's the damn fear. Oh, okay. Oh, so. I gotcha. don't know what. So yeah, vampires. I don't know what vampire. I should. Well, look. regardless, but it doesn't really matter. That's horrible. Yeah, that's awesome. And that means no soak because they just suffer those. That's reducing yeah. their thresholds by that much. Yep. Yeah. Uh, ouch. That's crazy. Yeah, under the vampire, it does say, while exposed to direct sunlight, the character halves their strain and wound threshold. So, oh, so if you've already done strain and wounds to them and you have it, boom. Yeah. yeah. There. Oh, grenade. That's, That's cool. It. That's awesome. 
Wow, that's cool. That is cool. So let's see. So Stefan, I think you may have had an you may have an item, but I have a weapon. Okay, well, go ahead. Wait, kind of a a group of weapons, if you will. So they have just a generic like hunting rifle and pistol in here for your weapons to do. Um, you could totally just use these stats as is and just flavor them the way you want to. You know, you can do like Colt 45. You do like a Winchester pistol, Winchester rifle, um, blunderbuss, you know, whatever you want to do. Just use these, flavor them how you want. They're a little more more generic. So if you're into that, if your players are into, you know, different, you know, weapons yes. and such, just reflame, just reskin them. Yeah, Call the them something different. It's the Enfield, whatever. Yeah. 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 So, and, you know, the damage and crit rating and all that stuff should be pretty close you know rifles rifles was you would use range heavy pistols would use range light rifles would be long range pistols would be medium range boom pretty much done you know mm-hmm. you're pretty good so that's really all i kind of had to say about that and again read the text in the descriptions of these things because like tony said you're looking at the sunlight grenade it's like well it's sunlight grenade whoopty freaking do man there's no damage no crit but yeah, yeah. that last paragraph <laughs> says a lot That's it. so yeah so then for you what do you got there Stefan? what were you, what did you want to yeah. talk about <clears throat> i mean it's not so much a weapon but at least a piece of gear that might be still pretty useful it's called the galvanic battery it's based off of Professor Volta's wondrous electrical storage devices. <laughs> so a galvanic battery can deliver a steady current of power of arcane to arcane devices. Or it can give off a mighty discharge that can fell a human being or revive things that were once human. So in a pinch, you can even help bring someone back from the brink of death. What? It's a freaking defibrillator. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's so your, this is your this is your uh, Victorian age Victorian area era defibrillator. Yeah, right? yeah, nice. exactly. The uh, etheric battery, whatever you want to call it, they call it galvanic battery. So maybe maybe Doctor Tesla in your world developed it instead of Professor Volta. <laughs> there you go. So while equipped uh, with a galvanic battery, your character may target one uh, other engaged character and make a hard mechanics check. Uh, if successful, uh, the target is not incapacitated. The target suffers uh, if the check is successful, and the target is not already incapacitated. The target suffers six strain. Uh, wow. Yeah. If the check is successful and the target is incapacitated, the target heals enough wounds to reduce the wounds to its currently it is currently suffering to its wound threshold. So if it, if you've exceeded, well, you're just at your wound threshold. Uh, if the target is currently suffering, the end is nigh critical injury. That critical injury is also healed. Nice. Wow. So it can have various effects depending on the target and what they're currently suffering. And then once the battery has been used, it may not be used again until it has been recharged, which requires uh, hooking it up to a power source, such as a lightning rod or a dynamo, with an average mechanics check. So it can be really <laughs> useful multi-purpose tool. But, uh, yeah, uh, you'll have to recharge it uh, in a very speci- special way. Yeah. It's a one and done. For sure. It's a one and done for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And again, plus be, the, be, be, be imaginative with the, th- the, the, the threats. Oh, or, uh, rarity is five. Encumbrance of two, so it is going to be a little heavy, too. So it's, uh, it's it'll be a, a small little backpack. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, like a, maybe a small, not a car battery, but maybe one of those uh, four by four batteries. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that's cool. But yeah. So, so quite expensive at $500, shillings, rupees. Whatever uh, it might be. Yeah. Yeah. Bar tabs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I wanted to get into also the two sidebars here because I think they're important. Oh yeah, um, for the setting. Um, the first one is the right equipment for the job. So some of the weapons and gear listed here are pretty potent. The the, the sunlight grenade, the galvanic battery, they have a lot to them. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where if a piece party of PCs shows up fully equipped, they can make short work of a mummy or a vampire. However, this is a situation where the knowledge may be very different. That So player knowledge may be very different from character knowledge. While players may realize that a strange noble who lurks in their castle all night uh, never comes out during the day and is very pale is a vampire, the <laughs> characters should only know something's extremely off-putting about the guy. Um often having a talk with your players beforehand can deal with the potential problems of meta knowledge. And that should go with equipment as well. If you don't have the knowledge and science, you aren't going to know that a lot of these things exist. Um, personally, as, as a GM, I wouldn't let players well, just buy a buy silver bat. bullets, no. Buy silver bullets or a stake. Yeah. For their starting character. Well, to think, think like of it this, the reasoning is that there there is no social media like there is today or movies or uh, even before the Internet. You know, movies right. uh, had been popular. Even books uh, were, were very, very widespread back then. You know, the story of Bram Stoker was still very, very new. So it's, Rumors of vampires may still be around, but not everyone believes it. And someone who's, like you said, in, in a castle, and he's obviously rich, he might just be eccentric. And there are cultural <laughs> differences on what makes a vampire and what yeah. kills a vampire from culture to culture. You may be, you know, you may not be considered, you may not consider uh, a stake to the heart what would actually kill a vampire, um, because you're culturally not from a culture that believes that. They may believe that beheading the vampire is the only way to kill them, or so yeah. on. So that's true. So um, that is true. That it, what is important here is that yes, your 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 players with um, giving them the equipment that is listed here, make sure that you you either parse it out sparingly or that it's given to characters that would have a reason to have it. Um, well, that's it. Especially if they're making. Especially if they're purchasing it with their starting character money, so you can, exactly. you can even restrict it at character creations. Like, no, you, you don't have silver bullets. There's no reason for you to have it uh, right now. So maybe later on. That's true. <laughs> and speaking of silver bullets, that's our sidebar. The other sidebar here are silver weapons. That like most weapons can be made with the silver alloy, and have like in silver inlaid blade. You can have. Crossbow bolts, the heads made out of silver, or bullets made out of silver. Um, so, you could forge a, or a character can forge or plate a brawler melee weapon 
with silver by spending 200 of your world's currency by making an average mechanics check. You can also buy or make silver bullets or crossbow bolts if you spend 100 of the currency. Yeah. And it's enough to create a supply of bullets that will last one encounter, quote unquote, you know, whatever that may be. All right. Um, and then during the encounter as a maneuver, you can choose to load your weapon with the silver ammunition and it'll last for the rest of the encounter. So, yeah. Um, yeah and, that so that's, kind of, and that kind of reminds me of sometimes you see in, uh, in stories and movies where the character has a limited amount of these uh, special ammo or weapon. Oh, and, yeah. You know, suddenly they're trying to to load it. Uh, they they do maybe a coordination check and say, "Oh damn!" At despair, you know, something happens and they drop the bullet. bullet. Falls, yeah, it falls. Down the floor. <laughs> but they have to ret- retrieve it. Like take more time. You know, that's so, right. Don't make it totally impossible. You know, because you know, if cause if, mm-hmm. they, if they spent the time and money to to get the bullet, don't just take it away. But make it make them what? pay for it a little bit. What kind of GM you know, is that? Jesus. Yeah. Well, I, I'm Canadian, eh? So I'm nice. So, That's true. <laughs> but you know, make him work for it. it. It falls between a couple of planks of wood uh, to the floor below. Oh, goddamn! So what he's saying there, <laughs> Stephanie's saying all like American or non-Canadian GMs are dicks. Yes. Uh, ah! Yes. Oh, yes. yes I am. <laughs> What's that? All the ones he knows. Yeah. <laughs> as per my experience, uh, yes. <laughs> the other two on the call, you mean? <laughs> I shall not uh, confirm nor deny that. <laughs> no. Lastly, uh, in the settings section, we yeah. get the adversaries. Love you, Chris. Uh, Love you, Tony. Oh, back at you, buddy. <laughs> uh, like I said, lastly, we get the adversaries, and that's where your monsters come from. Um. Mm-hmm. Everybody, we've all picked our uh, a favorite or one we wish to discuss. So, um, homie? Yeah. Well, mine isn't as so much a monster, though could be considered monstrous in a way. Because, I don't know, when you rile up the locals, when you enrage an angry mob... You need an angry villager template, minion, and that's what I'm picking. <laughs> I mean, these are your common, the common trope. I mean, you you know, the Frankenstein movies or whatever. You know, you got the ah, the pitchforks and the well, you it. know the pitchfork and you know tr- uh, that scientist uh, is up at, is up to <laughs> no good again. That's right, pitchforks and thrown torches. You know, they've been um, pushed to violence after being plagued by these horrors and. You know, they're basically they're only dangerous in large numbers. And here's why. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, twos in all stats, except presence, which is a one. They're because so pests. They're ugly. Yeah, they're ugly. They're presents. You know, it's an ugly mob. Right. <laughs> ugly, angry mob. Um, there uh, could be flash mobs. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. a totally other show, totally different show, probably. Um, soak value of two, wound threshold of four, um, and then the group skills would be athletics, melee, ranged light. You know, you gotta practice throwing the fucking torches, right? I mean, um, torches, rocks, whatever. <laughs> they have absolutely no talents whatsoever because they're just angry villagers. However, this ability is freaking brilliant i think it's called flames of fury 
Increase the damage of a thrown torch by plus one for each additional minion in this minion group to a maximum of plus seven. Now, that is amazing to me because I want to get your call on this because this is saying you can have a maximum of like eight in a minion group? Is you that could. You could, I guess. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking here. That's I mean, what yeah. okay, the math is number of minions you can have in a group, by the way. There no, is but no I was maximum. Right. So I was thinking, man, I, I can have like eight minions in a group and I'm going to be doing well, the pitchfork does a does a, you know, it's melee damage five crit four range engage and pierce two. The thrown torch itself is, you know, you use range light damage three crit three short range burn three limited ammo one um ouch <laughs> a bunch of torches yeah. but i mean i suppose you know if everybody has a torch well i said you have a, a large mob so maybe yeah. of initial damage but it doesn't increase the burn damage so i mean it doesn't i mean 11 damage though <laughs> ow yeah base, te- <laughs> base 10 plus seven no two max so is a total of 10 yeah, well, base 10, which means oh, 11 so when, you're, 10, when you have a set. Yeah. So. 11 would be a hit roll. Yeah, yeah, single. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, so Minimum 11. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, ow. I mean, yeah. ouch. <laughs> no, but just, I mean, but just, and then if I do have eight in that group, my it's agility is. Seven times. Yeah, That's I get crazy. my that two agility upgraded eight times. Dude. Seven. Seven times. Seven times. That's like, you know, that's, that's. That's not a Canadian GM there, for sure. <laughs> not, a, not a Canadian mob. <laughs> That's a Pearson trick. I'm telling you. <laughs> Wasn't he yeah, a 15, 13? He did that one time to us. Something in a mini group. Because, yeah. Oh, cause, my yeah, God, I know. A, a I Canadian know. mob would at least go, uh, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to burn your your castle down. Sorry. <laughs> no, they'll throw the torches, then they'll say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, they'll still say sorry before. Anyway, they say sorry every, right. every time. Um, so anyway, so then, so basically. Sorry, 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 sorry. So anyway, so I think we have these symbols here next to the name, which I believe is a combat power of two. You know, unless you have eight in there, which I feel is going to be higher than two, maybe. I don't know if you're throwing all these torches. And then one, I believe, is your social is minimum. And then, of course, the generic skills is one because they really don't have anything other than athletics. Yeah, general threat overall, general general threat threat one. Yeah, but um, yeah, so fairly weak, but not, I mean, you probably wouldn't want to put him in, like, granted, a combat, that would be great, but I, I could see this adversary being used more in a situation where you're the 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 characters are here to to um uh stifle the angry mob you know there to kind of quell yes. the rebellion or yeah, or they're, whatever they're, right? well they're definitely a threat more physically but being socially uh disadvantaged you might be able to calm or threaten calm or the mob. intimidate intimidate the mob perhaps intimidate them or maybe yeah yeah, maybe you do the maybe you do the opposite maybe you are there to make the make an angry mob who knows yeah you never know but this could be you know and this is you know a trope that you Mm -hmm. see you know monster movies and such to angry villagers and such so 
Yeah. I figured that would a be while, fun. A, a little while ago, I, we watched Young Frankenstein. <laughs> of course, it <laughs> had a mob, of course, in it. <laughs> ah, that's great. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was it was hilarious. Abby who? Anyways. Put it on the roots. Anyways, who's next? Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I'll, go ahead. I'll go next. I chose uh it's from my one of my favorite movies, uh with uh, uh now I forget the name of the actor. But anyway. Brendan uh Fraser. recent Brendan Fraser. Fraser. Yeah, the mummy. Uh, I love those movies, the first one and second one especially. So this is uh, the uh, desiccated corpse that comes back from the dead. Uh, explorations of ancient temples, stone monuments have been unearthed, uh, but they have also brought forth monsters best left undisturbed. Buried alive untold centuries ago, they slowly but inexorably emerge to exact revenge on the descendants of those who have entombed them, or perhaps just so those who have uh, opened the tomb and unleashed the curse of their eternal rest. So these are powerful undead. Uh, they're a nemesis. They've got a five and broad, extremely strong. Wow. Even if they, yeah, even if they might not look it, they might be skinny, but uh, they're they're extremely strong. None too agile, two, and agility, four intellect, two cunning, four willpower, and two presence. So still fairly intelligent and uh, forceful personalities uh, or indomitable wills yeah. uh, go with it. Uh, a soak value of nine. Oh, so very, very tough to damage. Freaking adamantine bandages, man. Practically. <laughs> Uh, wound threshold of 25, pretty high, and strain of 22, but no defense. So, you know, fairly easy to hit. Wow, well, with a soak of 9, 25 mm. wounds? That makes for a lot of wounds, man, that you have to do to this yep. thing. A lot of damage you got to do to this thing. That's wow. It. And some decent skills. So, uh, brawl 3, cool 3, discipline 4, knowledge of supernatural 4, perception 4, stealth 3, survival, and vigilance 3 as well. And let's not forget the ever popular talent adversary three. <laughs> well, yeah, you if you're if you've been mummified and buried for a couple of thousand years, you'll be pretty formidable. And time <laughs> there's to a think reason about it. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> there's a reason why they entombed you and cursed you, uh, maybe in those uh, protected uh, sarcophagi. So yeah. Uh, so their abilities, of course, they have. Magical reanimation. They don't need to breathe, eat, or drink. They're immune to poisons and toxins. They probably don't sleep, so uh, they can keep going and going. Well, they slept for so long. Why would they want to? Exactly. Right. <laughs> but that comes at a price. Fire can definitely uh, be a, a hazard to them. So it's uh, fire or, or a weapon with the burn item. So that, that, that mob with the torches. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the burn quality uh, it ignores the character's soak. Well, there you go. Damn. Yeah, that's good. Then, yeah, and then they've got the, their grasping hands as they shamble along, uh, using their brawl skill with a whopping not, uh, damage of ten. Critical four, engage range, of course, and they've got concussive one and snare one, knockdown. 
and of course they're, they're enchanted bandages that's oh. they, they describe as there it is. giving them their uh, soak plus of four. plus four. <laughs> so not adamantine, but no, if but I they're, was they're running one of these things. I would never crit with this attack. It's critical no. four. You need yeah. four advantage to crit. But yeah. if you roll four advantage, you can activate concussive one and yeah. ensnare one. You've mm-hmm. now just removed that player from the game. Right. The next concussive. I'd knock him down, too. <laughs> I, I'd probably do not, I'd do concussive and knock down. Just get out of it. Just bye. Yep. Right? <laughs> You're done. Wow. And go on, and go on to the next. <laughs> yeah. And I'm doing 10 damage. Yeah. Uh, damn. Now, here's a question. Um, so if you had magic in your setting, would you give the mummy arcane? That would make it that, because didn't the mummy in the mummy, that movie that you were talking yeah. about, Stephanie, yeah. had, he was able to summon that swarm. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Stuff. He had even more powers than when he was a priest in the life because of the curse. The, the, uh, yeah. I play that with uh, skill. Controlling locus. Uh, yeah. What did you say, Tony? No, ahead, Sorry. Go ahead, Play Stefan. Code. You were saying. No, no. Go ahead. I'm, I'm done. Um, I would replace a skill. I wouldn't just um, uh, just give it Arcana. I would probably because they have three ranks in both of the uh, initiative skills. Um, I could very easily see getting rid of one of those in trade off of the Arcana to keep this adversary at its current power level. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you if you don't care that it's you know the ultimate mummy, and it's going to be a little bit more powerful than throw Arcana on it. But if you want to keep it at the same power level ranking, yeah. Um, yeah. take away one of those initiative skills and give it three ranks in Arcana. Yeah, I would even reduce the survival uh, by a couple of ranks, or remove entirely and give it maybe an Arcana of two. Okay. Uh, not two, but I mean four or five. I mean, what are the they're, they're really. Yeah, so the uh, the threat ratings are nine co- for combat, five for social, and overall seven. So or pretty the generic, nasty. The generic yeah. skills, yeah. Yeah. That now, is nasty. We do have two sidebars talking about the adversaries because if you look at this section, mm-hmm. all I mean, other than the first three entries, all the rest of them are nemesis. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of nemeses. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a reason for that. And it says a game set in monster world and the haunting, hunting the monsters. Um, setting tends to feature dangerous monsters as the main villain by default. However, adventures can become boring if the PCs only encounter the main monster during the final showdown. In most RPGs, the solution is to introduce a bunch of lesser enemies for the PCs to fight. However, while this setting does have some less dangerous enemies, hordes of minor foes can detract from that spooky gothic horror atmosphere. Uh, Instead, we recommend treating the monster in the same way that the books do and the films do, and that is that the PCs may confront them several times. And so it gives you two um, ways to make that kind of happen. One is the ultimate villain optional rule. And that is during the encounter, a nemesis adversary would suffer wounds or strain in excess of their wound threshold or strain threshold. You may, meaning the GM, uh, may spend two story points and that nemesis suffers no damage from the attack 
and no damage from further combat checks, but spends their next turn escaping from the encounter. Mm-hmm. Most supernatural monsters have a means of escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, may, they can turn into um, a bat or mist or explode into a howling sandstorm. Oh, there's a um, mummy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, or simply uh, can navigate impassable terrain, like running up the side of a building with their werewolf claws or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dr. Likewise, Jekyll. Likewise, during an encounter with a nemesis adversary, if at least one PC has been incapacitated, two PCs in a group of five or more, any player may spend two story points to force the nemesis to spend their next turn leaving the encounter. So it's kind of balanced. Yeah. Uh, this may be because it no longer considers the PCs a threat or because the environmental circumstances force it to retreat. Yeah. So that's a, you know, that is a way to kind of push that as both player and a GM into another uh, encounter later. Yeah. Two uh, story points are spent and suddenly the sun begins to rise. It's like, oh, oh, the vampire needs to go home yep. <laughs> back to his coffin. Well, that's, that is, that's interesting. Yeah. And the that secondary we've seen before, it was listed in Genesis Core rulebook, and that is that um, the extra activation rules for nemeses to make your monster feel more dangerous. If you're if you're facing nemeses more often, this is a way to make them feel more dangerous, is to give them that extra activation rule. And that is found on page 204 of the Genesis Core rulebook. Yeah, so basically an extra NPC slot in the initiative order. Yep. <clears throat> cool. So I just wanted to mention that. And of course, um, oh, yeah. there's another sidebar here about using the fear rules, but I mean, it kind of goes without saying that you're going to use the the horror tone and the fear rules in the back of the Genesis Core rulebook also, page yeah. 243. Um, mm-hmm. Or you can use my sanity rules mm-hmm. there you uh, go. that I did um, for, the, those are optional. And I think we put them up on Mayway and we put them up on Facebook a long time ago. They're, they're there. Um, if you specifically are listening to this episode and you cannot find them, shoot us an email or a, a private message and I'll send you a copy. So, Yeah, he's got his PDF there with the charts that are similar to uh, the uh, quit charts, the critical injury chart. Slightly different, but in, in the same vein. So Super. I'm going to reserve my adversary for a little section that oh. we are going to be going into called On the Slab. Excellent. So we'll head over there then. Introduces an adversary from one of the books, and we dissect it bit by bit. So, what's on the slab today, Tony? Well, Igor, um, he's my <laughs> no, it's Igor, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes, it's but that's Igor. Found. <laughs> I'm 
I'm not getting into this, Earl. <laughs> I, am, I am interactive now. It is I go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the uh, failed experiment, which is a rival found on in the EPG on page 25, um, mm. has a combat power of five, a social power of three, and a uh, general of two. Where, and it says here in the flavored text, where a mad scientist operates, their failed experiments soon accumulate. These monsters may take the form of misshapen humans built from parts of cadavers, primates, or even large arthropods. Our failed experiment is a big brute and could represent a large animal or a reanimated humanoid. And that it is. Brutish, it has a brawn of four, Two agility, one intellect, two cunning, two willpower, one presence. Has a soak of six and a wound threshold of 20. So, brutish indeed. Yeah. Uh, skills include brawl three, coercion three, survival three, and then resilience of four and vigilance of two. Um, the uh, talents, it only has adversary one. Abilities-wise, it has terrifying uh at the start of the encounter all opponents must make a hard fear check that's discipline as an out of turn incidental as per page 243 of genesis core rulebook if there are multiple sources of fear in the encounter the opponents only make one fear check against the most terrifying enemy unnatural resilience is their next ability after suffering a critical injury, you may spend one story point to reduce that critical by 50. Wow. Oh, nice. Uh, to uh, no less, uh, and sorry, if this reduces the critical to less than one, the failed experiment does not suffer the critical. So it can cancel crits. Yeah. And nice. we belong dead. Uh, Characters targeting this character in a social skill check suffer three, stand, three strain, uh, which is, I thought, just a very unique um, ability there. Just targeting it in a social mm -hmm. encounter, you suffer three strain. <laughs> yeah, try to coerce this thing. <laughs> wow. So uh, its only weapons are its ginormous fists, um, its huge fists. Their brawl weapons, damage is seven, critical three, range of engaged with knockdown and vicious two. And then its only equipment is ill-fitting clothing. <laughs> yeah, uh, nice. But, but only, it always covers the important bits. Yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> got to cover those important bits. I mean, the kneecaps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, like we do I, on my slab here, I talk about other ways you could reskin this for other settings and things. Um, reskin it? Really, Tony? You're going with that, bud? You're going with that reskinning well, yeah, yeah, to yeah, fail yeah. this experiment? <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so, uh, the first one is a steampunk setting. You could have this be, instead of a creature built from body parts, it's a creature built from clockwork. Nice. Um, you see. All the stats need, needn't change. It's a clockwork horror. Um, it, it has a heart, but it doesn't, you know, it, it, it's not it easy has, to target social checks. It, it has a ticker. <laughs> That's right. Um, 
in uh, Weird Wars, like a Tannhauser setting, these would be your experimental soldier lieutenant types um, that would uh, be a part of the the military uh, war machine of some great um, uh, army, which would be surrounded by those animated corpse minions. Um, Sweet. Nazi zombies. Another thing you could do is uh, in like an Android setting, this could be a great gin techie oh. failed experiment yeah. uh, in Android. Um, that a say maybe even a fired gin techie employee has done this in a private lab and built one of these things, and, and yeah. your characters are hired to investigate a series of murders that turned out to be an escaped experimental genetic monster. Um, Cool. That'd be a great way to do it in like an Android setting. And then my last one I thought of, you know, because I haven't really done this for uh, an advantageous threat for a while. Uh, thinking the upcoming setting, Twilight Imperium. Um, this would be an alien horror, an alien beast. You could just reskin it as a strange alien that they come across. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and just about anything can reskin as a strange alien but particularly this is something that it would be resilient but mm-hmm. not like super deadly um, yeah and not like the mummy <laughs> no true <laughs> yeah yeah and you and, can i mean you can instead of like we belong dead you can just call it like we're in we're an alien you know just yeah you know, alien mind to, yeah alien mind and you just try and do a social skill check just bah! messes with another uh another type of reskinning i thought would be a a post-apocalyptic maybe a a radioactive mutated monster oh there you go yeah very nice change up some of their uh like i said change up the names of some of their abilities um Mm -hmm. the the the, particularly the we belong dead um but really it's just a reskinning and you don't need to get super complicated with it this oh. is a great rival to throw at your players in any setting yeah well done man yeah so, this is great nice. that's pretty much it on the slab excellent So, welcome to part three of the show called Advantageous Threats. This is where we build, roll, and narrate some die results on some sample skill checks for our enjoyment and hopefully yours. And in this uh, scenario we're uh, getting up, setting up, uh, it's uh, Tony will be running uh, Chris and I through a short scenario inspired by our, uh, our episode uh, title. What do you have cooked up for us uh, today, Tony? Well, I've created a bit of a monster world scenario. So picture this. There is this tremendous rush to the old, to the, to the West in the United States in the late 1800s, the gold rush, so to speak. It is the year 1883, the gateway to the West, St. Louis, Missouri. Our pair of intrepid heroes um, who are meeting for business have been approached 
by a nun. And wow. she she comes up to you too. Uh, first, introduce the, uh, the the person she's going to be approaching is going to be Stefan's character. Go ahead. All right. So I will be playing a uh, young man called Blaine W. Wagner Jr. He's a uh, son of a wealthy merchant family uh, in St. Louis. And he, of course, wants to help the family business expand. He's, he's just turned 18. And uh, unbeknownst to him, he turned 18 on the night of the full moon. And his family, uh, his family line from way back in the old country, was cursed to transform into werewolves. But not everyone falls under the curse. Only those who turn 18 on the night of a full moon. Uh, get this so it's been a while since that happened and uh, it hasn't happened to him yet but unbeknownst to him uh nobody else in the family really knows about this but he said he's uh wants to expand it and uh with his motivations is wealth and while the nun is coming over to approach him you know to to put the uh well i'll explain after chris uh explains his character so uh <clears throat> oh sure further so, Chris, who are you going to play tonight? Yes, I am playing a, um, a gentleman by the name of Dean Winchester from the Winchester family of gunmaker gun manufacturers here in America, mm. and an off and from a long proud line of monster hunters. One reason why he carries a um, Winchester eighteen eighty three prototype revolver. Mm. With his silver bullets. Good thing. His uh, new kid he's meeting here has issues yeah. with the full moon, potentially. Um, mm. So good thing I brought I brought that pistol <laughs> with me. Um, but anyways, no, he's in. Um, Mr. Winchester here is in town um, for his family business to meet with the Wagners um, uh, on a gun tour. He's got a, this gun tour of the country heading out west. Um, meeting with the Wagners here to see if he can have a local merchant sell their guns for him. Yep. So meeting with Blaine here to um, yep. discuss things. That's it. So he's got a storefront. He's arranging. He's planning ahead to have racks of these Winchester guns on display. Oh, yeah. We have and like a whole. We have a whole like pamphlet yeah. and yeah, this yeah. is how it should be. And there's glass yeah. cases that he's mountings on the wall and uh, secretly. Uh, Blaine likes to express himself uh, by uh, flower arrangement. So when the nun is arriving, he is arranging flower vases to highlight the whole decor in the store. Nice. Hey, so <laughs> an older, um, reserved nun in full habit approaches the two of you. Mm-hmm. Mother Magnus, or sorry, Mother Agnes Acosta, um, whom you've seen at the. Uh, St. Augustine's before as a member of the church. Um, they're Blaine. Yes. Um, she approaches you uh, and stands at a, at a comfortable distance from the two of you as you're discussing your business and awaits uh, to be waved forward. Right. Okay, so uh, I see that and, you know, it's like, oh, uh, Mr. Winchester, um, I introduce you to uh, 
Mother Agnes Acosta of St. Augustine's church child that I attend to regularly with my family. Uh, Mother Agnes, please. Mother Agnes. Mother Agnes. Nice to meet you, Mother, uh, yeah. Mother Agnes. Yeah. Uh, what brings you here today? Well, I'm wondering if I could speak to you about a matter of one of your workers. Yes, of course. Uh, come, let's go in, into uh, the back office so we can have uh, some privacy. Okay. So back office. This back office, and you close the door, but you can kind of hear things as they're going on there, Dean. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm going to stay out here. Oh, real quick. oh no, I invite Dean over. Well, yeah, no, I'll just leave the door ajar. So I'm sorry, Mr. Winchester, I'll be a moment. Okay. So, are you aware that um, two of your well, two of your family's handymen have signed on as um, assistants in the, in the building of the basements of the church? Um, William um, and, uh, and, and and James. Uh, yes, I was kind of aware. I was hoping that they would be helping in the shop here, but uh, my uh, father told me that uh, they'd be working at the church. So, well, uh, what happened? Well, there's been an unfortunate accident. No. Yes, and I, I was hoping that you perhaps would, uh, well, being that your family is more prominent, and I'd rather not get the police involved. If you you would like to investigate? Well, um, well, of course. There's some of our best workers and a longtime family, our friends. Well, William is in the hospital. The, the, of course, the one the church runs. He has a horrible gash on his chest, and he's telling a story about how James was snatched out of the darkness of the tunnel by some hideous creature. Oh, wow. And I'm sure it's probably just a lost dog or something that got trapped down there. Um, I, I just would like a couple of hardy men to go down and get it out. Perhaps oh. you and your friend Mr. Winchester could, could, could go. Well, perhaps I, I I can ask him. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll get up and pretty sure where that uh, Dean is just on the other side of the door, not on purpose listening, but you know the door was only left ajar a little bit. Uh, Dean, Mr. Dean, uh, do you mind joining us for a few moments? Um, yeah. Um, so I I retell the story a little bit about uh, the missing workman, uh, James and, uh, and William and. That uh, I I would appreciate maybe your help. Uh, perhaps uh, it may be nothing, but uh, you seem to be handy with uh, a gun. If it's a wild beast, perhaps you can put it down and show uh, the, the qualities of uh, the this new prototype revolver. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, yes, it would be a great um, a great uh, a great moment for me to show you the uh, accuracy of the of the gun. Potentially, hopefully, it won't come to that. Hopefully, it is just no. a a dog or whatever, but yeah, one of your workers. Absolutely. Yes, you can go check here. it out. Very well. Um, Mother Agnes will we'll, uh, let us uh, anon right away. Let's just uh, go back to the this church. This is grounds where the church is being currently constructed. It's, right. It's all close the gates and the, the whole construction site has been shut down. You have free run of the place until you find out what has gone wrong. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you very much. We'll uh, we'll head out and, and and investigate right away. And I will be praying for you. Of course. Thank you. All right. Well. All right. Um. So so um. Dean takes you to his carriage. It's a black. Right. <laughs> K 
carriage opens up the back. Sorry. If you haven't seen yeah. the Supernatural show, they yeah. have that black car. Anyways, yeah, yeah he, he yeah. takes out a um, yeah. takes yeah. out yeah. Blaine, a. Uh, Blaine quickly uh, opens the drawer of his desk and just grabs an old Colt and uh, checks the bullets. All right, um, and heads Colt, out. Huh? Yes, well, it's right. it's what right. I have. It's okay. Well, <laughs> but, we'll see. Uh, I, I'm hoping to, well, to have some of these. upgrade, of course. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes, yeah, so I'll grab that and go out to the carriage or whatever. I don't know. So um, guys and, take carriage to this construction site and yeah. um of course your you know your carriage is uh bumping along on the loud road and two of you have a chance to talk and get to know each other but if this weren't an advantageous threat we would do that but uh we're gonna cut scene yep. <laughs> to, uh where you guys um have entered the construction site where the the, the basement of and the pillars of the mm-hmm. beginnings of this cathedral are being built okay. um, the, and just just large open pit and in the pit there's um, some bedrock that they've had to blast uh, and when it blasted you can see where it's been blasted and then there's an, a gaping hole mm. right okay dark hole what to- and so what we'll time get, of day is it we'll get a torch out because it's more than likely probably dark right tony well it's there. sunset sunset right. Okay, well, it's probably dark in the cave, so grab a torch. Grab a torch. Light a torch. Yes. Okay, there are torches nearby. Looks like the workers have been um, using them as they create these. um, Look like a couple of pockets have been created, and they've opened them up. Or lanterns, probably. Yeah, yeah, we'll grab like a lantern. Okay. Right. You you each grab a lantern? Well, Blaine will grab a lantern, uh, trusting to his friend, keeping his hands free to deal with any threat. Very yeah. well, then. Yeah, I'll actually draw. I, I, You know what? I'll actually draw my pistol. Um, I'll have it loaded with um, the silver bullets. Um, okay. And um, start heading in. All right, so what you see in this... Um cave the first thing you see is a what appears to be a blood stain um shortly inside the entrance um on the floor uh and then drag marks uh and blood spatter kind of go off into the dark uh outside of the light of your lantern any footprints um there is a print but it almost doesn't look like a foot Um, a survival check, maybe, to identify what sort of creature. Okay. Is. Kind of difficulty. We'll call it average. All right. I got a cunning of three, one rank. So that's a yellow, two green, and two purple here. But I'm going to go ahead and spend, immediately spend my GM story. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course you are. Because you're a non-Canadian GM, and that's what you're going to do that for. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here we go. <laughs> Oh, and he is—he uh, triumphantly fails this check oh. with two failures, an advantage, and a triumph. Okay. While you fail to determine what sort of source created the um, the footprint, just yep. it's like nothing you've ever seen. Yep. You have advantage and a triumph. 
Mm. Well, I'm thinking my advantage allows me to maybe uh, follow it. You know, I could see that it goes further in, right? And it's fairly maybe pronounced. Um, but my triumph, uh, maybe there's another, maybe there's another clue, like maybe a um, clog, like you said that the the guy that died, or not the guy, the guy oh, who was in the hospital had a gash on his chest. Maybe there's a another clue here that I or see. Or the other, the other workman uh, left something of his you know, personal belonging, a scarf or something. Well, there's a clue. Uh, yeah. The clue is that there is some sort of strange cave painting on the wall uh, near oh. here. Um, oh, that's cool. It appears to be fresh, um, and it is drawn in blood. Ooh. Oh, well, that so, doesn't look good. So we have and, an artistic uh, monster. And <laughs> what it shows is this um, like idyllic uh, mountain side, um, mm-hmm. beautiful. It's kind of it's in it's in red on brown, so it's not it can't be super, but it's a well done hand. Mm. Um, and uh, on this mountainside, you can see this large, what appears to be a castle. Okay, a castle on a hill. Castle on a mountain. Oh, hmm. There is a blood and a bit of a. Um, a strange writing next to it. Oh, strange writing, huh? In blood. Well, I did not grab any knowledge skills whatsoever, being a slayer, <laughs> which I probably should have. But you know, I'm just starting out, <laughs> right? Mm. Oh, that is beyond me. I don't know what that means. Well, you know what? I gosh, that might look familiar. I might have saw that in one of my one of my grandpa's books hmm. somewhere library well, maybe the two of you oh. it does look like it uses some old germanic letters and german oh. is a language that your grandmother speaks oh, uh, maybe so knowledge perhaps the two of you together could make a knowledge check all right do you want to roll and i'll give you a boost eye for sure it? i can do that you got sounds, good, sounds great all right don't have um, any skill banks, but I'll uh, have two green and a blue. Right. Sounds good. That's two as good as I'll be able to do. <laughs> so it's just going to be hard with a setback die because it's right. not actually a language. Right. All right, then. Let's do it to it. Uh, I've got quite a few blanks. Do I get at least a couple of successes out of this? Oh, no. I got a failure. I got a failure. <laughs> okay. So you just Everything failed. else would have been canceled out. <laughs> so you just failed. Nothing else comes from it. Um, so you're able to continue. Okay. Um, it is uh, a little further down inside this um, the, the, the cave, and you notice that it kind of opens up into what appears to be a large room. Mm. Uh, this room uh, 
has several other lanterns in it. It's got some old equipment, um, a couple of weird-looking vats of greenish liquid, and in the dark of the room, you hear Polabra a voice says a language you don't understand. Mm. I knew I should have listened to Nana a bit more in her <laughs> German language. German, she was teaching me German. Do you speak English? By any chance? Very little. Okay, well. Did you bring the, um, did you, is the worker down here? Did you is James drag? here? James! What do you mean? I don't understand. I, you mean the trespasser? Uh, well, worker, yes, the worker from above. Blew open a hole in my home? Uh, oh. we're, we're sorry. <laughs> All right, so we're going <laughs> to roll initiative for a social right. encounter. Oh, All we right. are, are we? <laughs> All righty, then. That so, would be some will. That'd be a vigilance, then. All right. Yes, and he will be rolling cool. So... I get two successes. All right. I have one and one. How about you, Chris? Same as you. One is one and one. So you guys will get to go first. All right. Uh, so it's player, player, GM. Okay. All right. Um, and uh, so you're socially encountering a being somewhere in this room, large room, the lanterns, other lanterns you see in the room, are not lit. They're just, you saw a couple of them inside the, the range of your lantern. Right. Large room, lots of equipment, lots of places to hide. But the sound carries really well in here. Um, right. So can't, pl- can't quite pinpoint where it's coming from. Yeah. Correct. Gotcha. So somewhere in this room, and um, um, the... What starts the encounter is he's, your man is still alive. Uh, okay, that's good. Can, can you release him and we'll promise uh, not to bother you anymore? So that sounds like a charm. Charm or negotiation? Well, you aren't offering anything in return. No. Well, you're right. offering well, bother, but... Yeah, well, either way, it's a two... Two uh, green ones, anyway. <laughs> Let's go with yeah, yeah, charm. That is going to be of average difficulty. All right. All right. And remember, you guys have three story points on your side. Yes, yes. Well, I might as well spend one and get, uh, get an upgrade on that. And... All right. And I get, I get, I get, I get uh, a success. Okay. 
everything else cancels out. <laughs> right, so that is going to count as one strain. Strain, yeah. Uh, to my adversary. So. All right, um, Chris. Hey. All right. He's like, I'm listening. All right, so that's your turn, Chris. Well, the hole is open, so yeah, I think it was done. It was done on accident for sure, but there's going to be more people coming. Um, I think if you release the, if we could take the man that you have. That would be good for everybody involved here. So I'm trying to deceive him a little bit with, you know, having more people backing us up here. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, gotcha. so trying to try to do that. So deception. Uh, okay. and that is going to be opposed by his vigilance, which is going to be uh, two red dice. All right. Versus my three green. Um, I'm going to upgrade this. Right. I'm hopefully. <laughs> Would like to get a eat this good Tony then? Yeah. All right. There we go. Um, I did not succeed. Got one threat, oh. so I take a strain, right? Uh, yes, you take a strain. Yep. And I got one um one threat, one net threat out of that. I'm going to give him a boost. Okay. As, uh, oh. <laughs> He's going to use coercion. Oh. And he's going to say, I am capable of defending my home, as you can see. And there is a clank as you see um, something catches your eye, an ear. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what the, the boost die is, is that your, your attention is turned as mm -hmm. a, 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 a metal door opens and on the other side of the metal door is a man who has been staked to the wall with railroad spikes. Ooh. Whoa, that's a bit that extreme. The, is that the young man James? <laughs> it is the young man James. Mm. Well, that's a bit extreme. <laughs> and uh, so coercion here is going to be three yellow. Or sorry, one, two two yellow and a green. Who are you targeting? Uh, and I'm going to specifically target you, Chris, because you are okay. the... Uh, the elder in the room? Well, no, you were the one who said we've got reinforcements. Or right. Looted. What is that? So, what is that uh, versus? Discipline. Discipline? All right, that'll be um, two red. Ooh. Okay, so two red. Yeah. Got two willpower, two discipline, two ranks in discipline, because I am a fearless hunter. Yeah. Fearless slayer. Those got, two free ranks, man. That's awesome. I got my boost die because of my show and tell. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you do. Wow. So here we go. He's going he's gonna to roll. Um, oof. All right. So that cancels that, and that cancels that, leaving me with two successes and one vantage. Um, oof. So he's going to hit you in the strain for two more. Okay. Because um, you're just like, um, that guy, you see some of the bruises on his body, and they're big ham hand-sized bruises on the side of this guy's chest, uh, face. 
And uh, the advantage, I will pass a boost die to the next GM character to go, so I'll get one next turn. Nice. <laughs> End of turn. End of turn. And we're back. Yep. Back up. Do you want to go again, uh, Chris, or? Uh... Let's see. You know what? I'm going to say. Um, I'm going to say. Uh, I'm, I'd like to try and negotiate now with them, and go. Um, well, first, that seems a little harsh. You like staking them to the wall there, but what would it take for us to kind of take him out of here? Does he look dead? You said he said he was still alive. He probably still looks alive. It, he, um, he's either dead or unconscious. You can't tell from this far away. Okay. Um, uh, you could, could maneuver over to him if you'd like. I will. Yeah, I'll, I'll move over over to him and check him out. I'd like, I'd like to see whether he's alive or not. Um, but what would it take for us to kind of take him out of here? We could certainly close the tunnel back up, potentially. Um, <laughs> uh, that sounds like a negotiation check. Yeah, that's what I'm trying. Yeah, like we'll we'll close it. We'll close the tunnel for you. You give us the guy. We'll leave you alone. Back out out of here. <laughs> that sounds like negotiation. So that will be a post right. negotiation, which is going oh. to. Oh, um, yeah, that's not very good. <laughs> it's okay. I, it's I gotta agree. <laughs> so his negotiation um, is going to be a single purple. Sweet, and I have a single green. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> this will be awesome. <laughs> and one threat. Oh. <laughs> I failed. Okay then. So, all right. Uh, I have a threat. Yeah, your threat. I'm going to pass a setback die to Stefan. All right. Okay. Outstanding. Nice. Oh. Well, that's well, okay. That, a few feet away from you. So it's kind of a bit of the alone in the dark. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so, so when I, so you said I maneuver, so I maneuver over there to look at the guy. Is he alive? Did, can I tell or no? Yeah, you can tell he's breathing barely. He is breathing. Okay, yeah. So he's still alive. So okay. We'll All right. So while Dean was moving to uh, to James' position, uh, Blaine, un- unknown to Dean, has started like getting angry. He's seething a little bit. Uh, maybe his beast is slowly awakening, unbeknownst to him. <laughs> and, and he goes, oh, no. are you threatening me, uh, threatening us uh, and my workers, people who I've known from all my life? This will not stand. You will show yourself or I will beat this place down, tear this place down. I'll bring it down to your on your head. Oh, crap. <laughs> or coercion. Coercion. <laughs> all right. So um, that'll is be that coercion. Or does he have to make a hard discipline check to not cur- not turn into a beast? Well, I don't know if the moon has risen yet. That'll be up to uh, GM. Oh, that's true. That's right. We didn't come here to sundown or whatever. Yeah. Average difficulty. Average difficulty. All right. <laughs> and I don't know, I'll spend the last story point we have just to upgrade it. Maybe uh, as the, the beast rises up, his voice starts to get low. <laughs> maybe, maybe it work, maybe it won't. Uh nope, I fail. 
but with, but with one advantage. <laughs> All right. Well, so another strain for your failed check. Yep. Um, Chris, you should have taken one last turn for your failed check too. Last. I did. Yep. Okay. I got it. All right, your advantage. With one advantage, uh, the sound sort of reverberates and maybe uh, uh, gives a boost dice to uh, no, it gives him a setback dice. Okay. Know, the angry growling of my own voice <laughs> <laughs> gives okay. the entity this, a setback. This hulking beast stands up from behind a desk and flips the desk. My home! I will tear you to pieces if you touch anything! This thing is hideous. It's terrifying looking. It looks like it's been put together from horrible, desiccated body parts, and it's got the muzzle of a dog, but a dead dog. Uh, So please make a hard discipline check, my two players. Fair checks. All right. Okay. Hard discipline. For so, your... Just so you know, the desk is up kind of on a raised section behind a fence right. uh, across the room, and you just you barely see it in the light of your torch. Gotcha. Uh, all right. Hard. Hard check. Hard discipline. Uh, <laughs> ew, no. One failure and one. No. Yeah, one failure. Okay. I have one success, one threat. All right. So the, um, oh, you know, I should have looked up those rules, but the one success <laughs> means you not are not affected by Good. the fear. However, with one threat, I'm going to say the initial um, round after, you're going to have a, a setback die um, just because of um, it startles you. This is not a monster you've seen before or heard of in your father's journals, maybe. Gotcha. Um, and Stefan, you are mm-hmm. going to have a setback die for the rest of the encounter. I guess All right, fair point. enough. It's terrifying looking. Mm-hmm. Damn. All right. Okay, now that you guys know what you're dealing with, um, social encounter with this thing is going to be slightly more difficult. Um, I have reskinned its We Belong Dead ability to We Own This House. Right. <laughs> any failed social check against this creature will suffer an additional three strain from here on out. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so for its turn, it uh, it makes that uh, that check to coerce you again. Um, mm-hmm. so, but it is targeting you this time, Stefan. Right. So it has a, has a setback. It has a setback die, which you gave right. it. Yes. Yep. Um, I'm going to. Uh, I'm the flipping of the desk and the large hulking just flex. I'm flipping yeah. a DM story point to uh, upgrade my upgrade. Check. Nice. Right. So right now I'm at three yellows and a setback. What is your discipline? My discipline is it would be two purple. Okay. All right. Are you happy with my pool? Uh, yep. Okay. So here we go. Well, I wouldn't be able to flip it because we didn't have any story points to begin with. Uh, yeah, you did. 
according to my rule, uh, you had one. Okay. Okay. Fine. But no, I'm I'm good. Okay. Oh, here we go. So I had a triumph and two successes. Um, so I'm going to do inflict two strain on you, and with a triumph, I'm going to inflict critical strain, which is five more. Right. Oh. As this thing makes you. Yeah. <laughs> and you're feared. You failed the fear check too. So are you peeing yourself and running or what? <laughs> How much strain do you have? I have From nine. Of? Of 12. Oh. oh. Okay. Round three. Final round. All right. Um, How close am I to this guy? That's nailed to the wall. Medium I mean, range, but it is difficult to rain. Oh, the guy nailed to the wall? You're you're engaged range from him. Sorry. I thought you meant the thing. Yeah, my intention here, Tony, I want to get this guy out of here. What would it take? I know it's not going to take rail one round. Railroad spiked to the wall. Right. Without further wounding him, you're going to need to find a hammer to remove those railroad spikes carefully or something to remove them carefully. If you just want to, it's like a stone wall. It's like a stone wall, right? Yeah. If you want to remove him from the spikes by just ripping him off of them, you're going to do a wound per spike to him. And that may push him into um, unconsciousness or he's already unconscious, but that may, but that would still give me a chance to get him out of here. Right. Like right away. It would. Cause I, okay, I'll do that. I, I will. I think I'll, I'll then um, I think that sounds like an athletics check to pull okay. him down. Okay. What difficulty would you like for that? Uh, I'd say because probably hard four of them spikes. Oh, hold four spikes. Oh, fuck. Yeah. He has <laughs> one through each foot and one through each hand and he's spiked up. So I'm going to say that's daunting to pull him down. From this. Four. Okay. Then. And just at that point, you also notice the significance of the fact that he is actually staked out in the crucifix. Yeah, that's not good. And you said I had a setback die this round or next round? Because I say this round. Cause I, okay, so on setback die action. on my next action. Okay, because that was my threat. That was that threat. Do we have any story points? Uh, one, yes. Currently. Okay, because I'm going to need it. I'm going to use it. Um, let's see here. Is there anything in here that could help me? Nearby, there are tools. They're not I'll, necessarily the right tools for the job. but I'll use... Oh, okay, so it wouldn't give me a boost die to it. But um, I'll grab what I can to kind of help me get him off of there. And try to get him out of here. <laughs> hey. All right. Um, and you did say we had a, um, a story point, right? Yep. yep. All right. So I'm going to upgrade this. All right. So I got two yellow, a green, a blue, four purple, and a black. Uh, do you want to do something with this pool? Nah. Well, yeah. Come on, you non-Canadian GMU. Despair, <laughs> you're killing the guy. So, well, what? Well, oh, come on, I'm killing him. Oh, all right, here we go. All right, here we go. 
flee to probably because probably because James is Canadian. That's why. But can I? Oh, okay. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, no despair. Just to let you guys know right away. No despair. <laughs> but I got a shit ton of successes though, so I probably do this really fucking quick. Um. All right. So one threat, three successes. Okay. So you're able, you noticed when he was there that kind of he was sagging a little bit on the wounds, kind of spreading them out a little bit. And you, Okay, so I just need to lift and... You're lift able to and, lift and pull him off got all it. but one foot. And then I just have to give the... Oh. That one foot, you give a yank and it tears some of the flesh out and it gives him... And he, you hear him... Ugh, he grunts in pain. Mm-hmm. And I fireman carry him out of there, basically, over my shoulder. Well, you get him over your shoulder. It's the it's yeah. that's as far as you get. You get him yeah. down and over your shoulder. Okay. And then you want me to take a strain for that? The oh, full having to wrench the foot yeah, through it's, ah, it's kind of the the flesh rip. Fairly disgusting. Thing. Yeah. And I yell out to to Blaine. <laughs> Uh, Blaine, if you want to close this deal, you need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> we're going to close this deal. We need to get the fuck out of here. All right. Uh, so, uh, that would be, be my turn. I'm, I'm torn between. Uh, actually, well, he, he is afraid of it, so he would flee. That would make sense. Uh, but then I was wondering is maybe without him knowing about it is the moon a full moon out and <laughs> you really want to change don't you tell you what i'll roll a d10 and on a, right. a a nine or ten it is a full moon all right i got a four sorry buddy. no all right so he'll flee with uh with a lantern following his uh, new buddy <laughs> dean and james so. not gonna be braining my business partner that's good <laughs> so you take two maneuvers yeah get from um so to get to the exit you get right to the exit when it's its turn okay and it is going to pick up the desk and throw it in your path to block the exit uh-oh so it is going to be doing an improvised weapon mm-hmm. uh, right. and it's not trying to hit you with it but we'll we'll no. uh, We'll do it as if uh, against your defense. So do you have any defenses? Uh, no. Okay, so it is improvised weapon. It is throwing it uh, to increase the da- uh, difficulty because it's improvised. Uh, so that's three. And thrown. Oh, could I could I use uh, one of my talents just uh, almost as an incidental? Absolutely. Uh, deep pockets may produce a small useful item out of my pocket maybe just a snuff box that he had in his pocket he throws it back and the snuff maybe i don't know uh might he, he not, not serious inconvenience but maybe you know the, the the snuff gets in his nose and gives him a setback i don't know okay yeah <laughs> all right awesome. i'm spending a gm story point because it's cool to throw right. a desk yeah, it is. Do we have any yeah. on our side? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to spend one, one back two. because you know uh, other things could happen. Head. You could drop, drop it on his head. head. Yeah, yeah, or his foot. <laughs> Very well. So I'm looking at a three green, one yellow, yep. opposed by two setback dice, um, uh, 
two purple and a red. There we go. Okay. So, um, did it despair? I did not roll the despair, but I did not succeed. I had a lot more failure than success here. Uh, I'm so sorry. Awesome. So, uh, <laughs> net is one advantage for failure. Okay. Uh, so with the one advantage, um, he's just going to uh, give you a setback die on what you, whatever either one of the next one of you to go. But this is the end of this uh, right. social encounter, and it's probably going to go into a combat encounter from here because it's right. going. <laughs> you think? You're trying to flee with the guy, and it's probably going to chase you. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. To well, be then. continued, or it's a cliffhanger. Well, we'll... <laughs> yeah. It, we can well, see. regardless, it's a cliffhanger. <laughs> yep. <laughs> awesome. Uh, that's pretty good. That yep. is pretty good. Ah, uh, so glad. So, so that was Advent. Wolf out. <laughs> no. <laughs> so the, the writing on the wall was in uh, old Bulgarian, and it said wow. uh, "Death to Doctor Volta." <laughs> Ooh, all right. <laughs> Death to Doctor Volta. Is that what he said? Yes. That's what it's, it's, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and his damn galvanic batteries. Dude, curses. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, awesome. that's our advantageous stats for the evening. Yes. Thank you, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Tony. That was that was pretty fun. That was pretty pretty good one, man. I like that. I like that. All right. Then let's uh let's wrap this puppy up. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, that's our show for tonight. Our spooky, gooky monster show. Um, our next session, next show, will be session three of uh, Tony running us through uh, the primordial mocking of the crying sky. Our next actual play. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. And um, that's it. Any no listener feedback today or tonight or whatever? No, no, nothing uh, recently. So awesome. All right. Mm. Well, if you feel like filling that section of the show, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, out. everybody. If you guys want, if you guys are like, oh man, no listener feedback, and that's yeah, all we, on you. That's all on we, you guys. Listen to this. That's not us. We, <laughs> yeah, we have some extra fifty pieces of awesome hanging around. We might give you some if you. <laughs> If you send us some feedback, <laughs> even negative feedback. No, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only positive things. No, just kidding. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. care. Whatever Any kind feedback. of hey, at this Any. point, whatever kind of feedback. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, reach out to us at findingthenarrativepodcast@gmail.com. Uh, Finding the narrative on Facebook. Uh, you can reach Stefan and I there. Uh, all three of us on MeWe, although that's kind of a dead place too. We haven't really updated that in a while. Although Stefan does share on their Facebook and Twitter, um, he does share some of the boosting the signals there. I still um, post. I, I post our our episodes there too, but that's yeah. really it. I'm not active uh, on MeWe that much. But. Uh, Twitter presence, uh, that's at FTN underscore Genesis. And uh, please recommend us to your friends and family. Uh, we can be listened to on Podbean, iTunes, 
YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Amazon Music, and more. Family, though? Not real. Maybe what? not little kids. No, well, no. Not. It's not but really I, a family show, is it? Oh, <laughs> you bastards. Oh. <laughs> All right. Fine. We could have had one show without an F-bomb. This one could have been it. I didn't now- say fuck. <laughs> oh, darn it. Damn it. Right. Damn it. Well, all right, don't invite the kids. Uh, I did. I did mention our podcast to our neighbors across the street yesterday, and he said, "Oh, I'll I'll listen to a few episodes." Yeah, probably not your tender-hearted grandmothers either. They don't want to. Maybe not. Listen. Hey, you might be surprised. <laughs> this is the tender-hearted ones, not like my grandmother, who will cuss you out in Japanese. So. Well, that's uh, <laughs> but you know my 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 wife's grandmother too, man. <laughs> From Canada. Don't you know? Canada, eh? Yeah. Well, yeah, from they're, uh, from they're uh, built tough. Winnipeg. From Winnipeg. Oh, well, yeah, there they're you go. yeah, they're tough in Winnipeg, man. They got we're, we're built fucking, tough up here. Fucking cold up there. Oh, another F bomb. Darn it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll drink to tough built grandmothers, damn it. Yeah, yeah, All right, I'll drink to that. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's fucking tough up here. It's fucking cold. Eh? You know it. <laughs> All right. So this is Tony signing off saying, Let's tell a story. Spend a friggin' story point. And this is Stefan saying, dare to ask for those boost dice, which I forgot today. Damn. <laughs> dare. No. Well, um, <laughs> and this is Chris saying, remember the rule of cool. Always have your silver bullets if your buddy's a shifter. <laughs> and just have fun. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast, is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned on this show. Any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners. All items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.